Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program for Catholic men by Catholic men. I'm Matt Palmer with Catholic Men's Ministry here in the Diocese of Columbus, one of the co-hosts, and I'm joined by my co-host, a dear friend and brother in Christ, Devon Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Devon, good morning, brother. Good morning, Matt. And, uh, and before we introduce our guest, Devin, would you just open for us in prayer for all of our listeners? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we beg you to send forth your Holy Spirit into our hearts to translate and transmit whatever message we need to hear. God, open our hearts so that we can become the saints, the holy ones, that you're calling us to be, so that we can truly bring your light, your love, and your hope to this dark world. Lord, open our hearts, please. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mama Mary and St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, For our listeners, uh, we love bringing on-fire Catholic men onto this program. Uh, And I should add that we do this in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio, our local radio station here in Ohio. So grateful to them for their support and for hosting uh, this program. Devin, let's introduce our guest, Tim Hughes. Uh, Tim, good morning, brother. How are you? So good. It's good to talk to you guys. Uh, We're excited to to learn more about your story. Uh, For our listeners, Tim is a young, on-fire Catholic man just married three months ago. And why don't we start, Tim, with just learning a little bit about um, of your story. Let's go back before we get to your beautiful wedding day with Sarah. Why don't we go back and tell us about uh, your growing up years, a little bit about that, and, um, and just your journey with Christ um, up to this point in time. Sounds great. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in northern New Jersey. Uh, if you can't hear my accent, it's because I've tried to demolish it as much as possible and uh, <laughs> take on the Ohio spirit. But uh, it's a small town. It's called Booton. And so I do this with most everyone when I talk about Booton. But I'm going to, you know, uh, work on trust and uh, assume that everyone would close their eyes for a second. <laughs> and just Mine as you closed. close your eyes, start to imagine something like New York City, right? So you got people and the economy and the buildings, right? You're getting a picture of New York City. So if, uh, as you open your eyes, you just take away the buildings, the economy, and the people, you have New Jersey. So <laughs> it was a really small town, at least small as far as New Jersey goes. Uh, it had about four pizzerias, two ice cream shops, four antique shops, and uh, three bagel stores. So uh, definitely uh, oriented around meals, and the meals were definitely oriented around the family. So it was just really cool to grow up in a small town with a, with a culture that existed primarily around um, service. We had like a volunteer fire department, but also around the church, like every Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, some uh, ministry or our parish would like host a picnic or host a festival, carnival kind of thing. So, what a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful upbringing! Did you go to Catholic grade school and high school? I did. So I went to the parish was called Our Lady Mount Carmel. Uh, went to Our Lady Mount Carmel for uh, K through eight, and then headed to uh, Seton Hall Prep, which is like for our Ohio listeners, like the St. Charles of the East Coast, I call it. <laughs> but it was just very much a uh, Catholic school that started uh, 1856, 
and then grew into a university, um, Seton Hall University. That connection didn't stay forever, but I did actually make the jump from Seton Hall Prep to Seton Hall. Okay. So. What'd you study there? Uh, so I, I started as a theology student, and then by the, the end of my time there, picked up a uh, a couple other majors in classics and then in uh, philosophy. Mm. What a great grounding. Um, Devin, I think, you know, as fathers ourselves, I think about the gift that Tim has received in the kind of both the town he grew up in, that kind of simple way of life that's fast leaving our, our culture, uh, but also this grounding in our faith. Isn't that a beautiful, it's a beautiful way for us to think about, um, raising our children or seeing how, what of that we can bring into our family life. Oh yeah. I mean, man, it just reminds me of like the 1950s, <laughs> leave it to beaver kind of, you know, kind of thing. Oh man, we, we could use a lot more of that these days. That's for sure. We sure could. Yeah. So, um, take us, you graduated from, from college. You've had this kind of idyllic, um, uh, growing up experience uh, in a community, a small community, and in, in your church, you've got a good Catholic education. Uh, what was next? Uh, so the next, I spent about two years at Seton Hall before discerning a call to seminary, which uh, didn't take me very far. Um, the college seminary, they call it, is about a half mile from Seton Hall, and we actually still attend Seton Hall classes. So first two years of college, I was a regular student studying theology, classics, and philosophy. But then my next two years, I was in the seminary building, doing seminary formation, still studying the same things, uh, just about a half a mile off campus. Wow. Yeah, your, that was your, an interesting one for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And and I love, I love how um, local your your formation geographically. You have this very unique formation that's very geographically um, small and yet obviously you're going deep into the faith and deep into the church and uh, and her teachings her wisdom wow I'm I'm inspired I'm a little jealous so far so um, I hope you have a few bumps along the way like the rest of us I don't want to you, you got to have something more than just all that so uh, as beautiful as it is let's keep going so yeah well what was most interesting is uh, so seminary I remember going to a come and see before discerning a call to marriage and just remembering how uh, beautiful, like the silence and the simplicity of seminary was. It was incredibly like orderly mm. and I was super blessed. Most uh, college seminaries are more institutionally formatted, but ours was uh, whoever came up with the concept deserves like an award for it or a medal or something, but they essentially built dorm rooms on the outside of a house. And so there was 35 of us in these dorm rooms on the outside of the house, but obviously they connected to like a living room and a dining room and a kitchen. And so we had like a very uh, family oriented seminary. Um, however, I think like my biggest regret was, so I was um, a student for two years and I made friends uh, through the campus and, and loyalty is like something really important to me. Um, and, and so when I went to seminary, I decided I was going to be like the cool seminary. I wasn't going to like bail on all my friendships, but there's like a certain detachment that you really need uh, when you enter seminary from, you know, the life you've lived before to really enter into the formation. And, and I just did not do that because I, I was like convicted 
that I was supposed to be the one that like didn't lose my friendships on campus. Mm. And so uh, that was a good thing in, in some sense, because I didn't leave my friends on campus. Uh, but I think overall it wasn't the best because I wasn't able to like really enter into the seminary life uh, the way like at 27. Now I look back and wish mm. I did. I want to stop right there and invite Devin to react to some of this. I'm so struck by some things you've shared that I think we as, as laymen, as fathers, husbands uh, out in the world, you mentioned silence, you mentioned um, detachment, you mentioned structure and order. Um, Devin, when I think about you know the ministry you have with Catholic men across the country, I think about how often you're encouraging us to really find um, uh, places and um, times of silence and order in our lives. And Maybe talk about for, for, this is a young man who's kind of pursuing at this point in his life, the priesthood, but talk about the correlation and the links for us as lay Catholic men, that these are essential things for us as well. Oh, absolutely. I think every man deep in his soul knows that he has a thirst for order and even a thirst for silence, even though the evil one has conditioned him to reject it, you know, because of all the, the kingdom of noise. I mean, in fact, I mean, Hitler, I think, was the one who said that uh, contemplatives, um, by divine right, he had the divine right to kill them all. Um, that's what Hitler said. So you can see Hitler as being a pawn of Satan, how against silence and embracing silence and meditating and giving your life to the Lord, he, he was. So Satan's, first of all, against silence. You know, I think we look at Adam. I mean, before Eve, Adam existed. He was in solitude, a certain type of silence. He was called to bring order to creation. So God created the order. I mean, he created the framework and then he filled that framework. And then he said, okay, now it's your turn to subdue it and have dominion over it. And so what does that mean? You're to bring order to things. And, and so as men, we're, we're highly attracted to that. And Tim, that's what you sensed in the seminary. You love that silence. You love that order. And then in that, we start to connect with God. I, I think that though, I mean, you say you regret you know, the fact that you didn't detach yourself from your old friendships on campus, you know, at Seton Hall. But I think that's just how God made you. You know, God made you to be a faithful friend, as Sirach says, you know, and, and a faithful friend is hard to come by these days. And so that is like a part of your calling. And whether or not that fit with seminary life, well, okay, fine. But that is how God has formed you and made you to be. And in that, he helps you to find your calling. So I, I think you know, it's beautiful because we see Adam. Adam is solitude, silence, but then he's longing for friendship because it's not good for the man to be alone. And that's what we have to remember. There's a both and here. We've got silence. We've got order. But man, we're made for relationship and we need to be in relationship to thrive. Mm, wonderful. Beautiful. Well, um, thank you, Devin. Uh, I think it's so encouraging for all of us as as men to really to really understand that at a deep level and to seek to build our lives in this both and kind of understanding that, yes, we continue. We are men of the world and we are men that are engaged in relationships, uh, first and foremost with God and, and then with our spouse and then our children and our um, our work colleagues and guys and guys and people in our parish and neighborhoods. But but to really be able to do that effectively, our prayer life, our silence, uh, we have to really continue to nourish and give attention to that. So, Tim, let's keep moving through your journey. Um, what what happened next? Well, I guess so. Uh, after my senior year of seminary, I was noticing 
a pattern of, um, I'll use the seminary terms for it. They use the term external and internal forms. So the external is kind of the optics that people can see and the internal is more like the disposition of your heart. And so kind of necessarily, so they set like a pretty strict divide. There's like a necessary boundary. Uh, something you say in the internal forum can't be said in the external forum, but everything said in the external forum uh, will be like uh, something you'll be held accountable for. Um, anyway, as I uh, got to graduating, I noticed that the divide in my life, there was more patterns internally that were uh, taking me away from God, while externally, like I was able to be like a leader in the house. I was able to get the grades that I was looking for. And they were asking me to go to Rome for major seminary. However, internally, I was feeling conflicted because you're not supposed to share internally into the externally because of those necessary boundaries. So that's kind of where I found myself when I decided to serve as a missionary with for a couple of years with uh, St. Paul's Outreach with SPO. And they were the ones that sent me to Ohio. That's how I ended up in Columbus. Ah, so for our listeners who are all over the country, um, St. Paul's Outreach is a Catholic campus ministry that serves uh, a number of universities uh, across the country. And uh, um, it's, it's a beautiful ministry. I know it well. Um, Devin and I have had the pleasure of interviewing some of the leaders of St. Paul's Outreach and uh, are always blessed by those conversations. So describe for our, our for the guys listening, what is uh, what does a St. Paul's Outreach missionary do? Talk about you're your assigned, I assume, to Ohio State University coming to Columbus. Is that right? Yep. So I was assigned to Ohio State. And what does that look like? Two years there. Yeah, I think the bulk of it is is meeting new people. And so you would go to either the rec center or you would go to the union, which is where people primarily congregate indoors or the oval where they congregate outside. And uh, once you meet someone, you try and develop a connection and uh, bring them to an environment is what we would call it. So that would be either like uh, come into the house for dinner. That's something that's a a little more forward, but uh, something as simple as like Frisbee on Lincoln Field would be a a really good option. And then from that dinner, they would kind of uh, be invited to uh, a men's group where over eight weeks you get to hear a little bit more about the story of Jesus, uh, the story of salvation history, and how we're wrapped up in that. And then from there, asked to come on a retreat experience. So that would be something like what we call fan of flame, uh, where there's like a decision point. And then from there, invited into formation and ultimately uh, household experience, which through morning prayers, dinners, uh, chores, we're able to experience both like. Uh, the misery, uh, not used in, in the bad sense, but in the sense of like what unites us together, iron sharpening iron. Uh, we're able to experience the margins of life together in a way that if we're just meeting for a men's group every week and if we're just meeting for mass on Sunday, uh, we're missing out on a little bit mm. of that. So hopefully that makes sense, but that's a quick synopsis. It sure does. Uh, so you served in that role for two years. Devin, I know that there's so much there that we can unpack for even men that are obviously living in our own homes with our families, but this friendship evangelism, this uh, coming together, uh, this is, uh, this is a, a, a powerful uh, experience that, um, you know, that Tim is part of providing for young students at Ohio State. Um, reactions to that, Devin? 
Yeah, I mean, you're definitely an evangelist, you know, and you're definitely made for that. It's it's interesting. I mean, that internal forum and that external forum, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still stuck on that, actually, <laughs> because it's like we're supposed to be integrated people where the body expresses the person so that our internal soul is manifest through our external. And, and in fact, our the manifestation, the glorification of God comes in and through us. And so it's like, I, I just wonder if that was creating some kind of divide. And then you conquered that by entering this missionary life where you become a whole person in a sense, your internal mm-hmm. form and your external form are becoming manifest. And then you're reaching out to people because you're your whole self and people are ca- catching that flame as so to speak and wanting to be a part of what you have. So I think that that's really what happens is when we become wholly integrated, our internal is being expressed to the external, provided that our internal is connected with God, man, we can set the world on fire, you know, mm. that, that's why I hear it with you. Is that, would you say that's right? Yeah, that's pretty much right on. You know, for listeners just joining us, uh, this program is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. I'm Matt Palmer with the Diocese of Columbus, Catholic Men's Ministry here in our diocese. I'm, my co-host is Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph, and uh, we're joined today by our guest, Tim Hughes, a young, on-fire Catholic. He's been sharing his journey, uh, and we're now at a point where he has discerned uh, leaving the seminary uh, and has joined a, a, a Catholic missionary ministry, uh, campus ministry called St. Paul's Outreach, uh, the ministry has sent him to Columbus, Ohio. He's been serving, served for a couple of years, uh, students there at the Ohio State University, and he took them into a deep formation through friendship evangelization. And I, I think there's a lot there for, for us as men, Devin. I think that, you know, how do we build relationships? And, you know, this notion of Frisbee on the, on the quad, uh, you know, it has its own parallels for us, you know, as older guys. Maybe it's a round of golf, or maybe it's having a beer with somebody in our, in our parish, or a work colleague. It's um, you know, taking a walk with somebody. There's, there's ways that at all stages of life we can build relationship that allows us to then share more and more of um, our faith in Christ uh, and his love for all of us. Devin, is that, you know, how, how would you, how would you kind of yeah, translate, translate Tim's life to our yeah. life? Yeah, well, you know, John Paul II, before he was JP2, Carol Fatiwa wrote Radiation of Fatherhood. It was this, I think, kind of like a, almost like a poem, but it was really about Adam and how he said on the threshold between loneliness and fatherhood is suffering. And so basically, if you kind of look at it like we, many of us choose to be isolated because we think that uh, and, and live in this loneliness, but he calls it a sin of loneliness because what we need to do, and he sees fatherhood as life giving. And so Adam had this choice to give his life for Eve, to pour himself out so that he would move from the sphere of loneliness through suffering, which would become sacrifice and then become father, like a life giver kind of icon, right? And so for every man, we have tendency to be in our own silos with our work, our hobbies, just whatever it is, TV shows, Netflix. And, but God is calling us to move from that isolation, that loneliness, which really in this case is a chosen sin because it's missing the mark. Sin in the Greek is to miss. That's what archers said when they would miss the mark in the sin. That's the Greek word hamartia, you know, was the word. So you would miss the mark. 
Well, we miss the mark of communion. That is the self-giving love of the Trinity. God is an eternal relationship of love. So he wants us to learn how to love like him. Well, that we have to move through suffering, which means dying to ourself, dying to our fears, and actually overcoming those fears and risk to be in a relationship, which is very hard. But it seems like, Tim, you're made for that. I mean, you you have moved from isolation. Well, I don't even know if you ever were in isolation. It sounds like you're a very fraternal kind of man. And that has been kind of the gift that God has given you. For a lot of us, though, I'm a... I'm, you know, I'm an internal guy, you know, I like to meditate, I like to think. And so this, it takes a lot of risk, and it takes the overcoming of fear to really engage and enter into other people's lives. But that is where it's at. That's where we become true fathers in the sense that we give life to others. Mm. And Tim, I want to, I want to just, um, I want to take what Devin just shared and kind of move it into where you are now. So obviously, two years at St. Paul's Outreach, but this call to communion and this call to relationship. Uh, obviously, um, you're, you were married three months ago. So talk <laughs> about talk about um, that journey from once you kind of left SPO. Um, there's there's more here. There's this discerning of a call to married life and, um, yeah. and, and the call to love and to lay down your life uh, for Christ by laying down your life for, for your bride. And now you're involved in, in some other ministries. So let's let's round out the picture and talk about uh, the last couple years. Yeah. I mean, I would love to circle back. I mean, I really do want to tell you about the absolutely romantic love story that Sarah and I have been uh, caught up in. But uh, I would also love to circle around that topic of um, isolation and gift and and especially that John Paul II quote that yeah. you sharing when he was Carl Botiwa. Well, we've got about, we got about six hear, minutes, so when we circle back, we'll have to circle back kind of fast. But yes, go ahead. React. Okay, yeah, let's do that yeah. quick then. because. Yeah. I find that I've been told mostly since I started as a missionary um, because Sarah and I have committed to keeping environments, to keeping men's and women's groups, to keeping different events in our life. And we have a decently uh, rich life um, and that makes it full. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on, um, well, I, I feel stumped when I talk to a dad who says, that's great for you to do now, Tim, but wait till the real world hits you. And I just, I just don't know exactly how I should take that because too often um, a dad will share a lot of stability in his life. And I don't know what your guys thought would be, but he like wakes up, right? He prays, maybe even goes to mass, sends the kids off to school, comes home, goes to work, comes home, cooks dinner, puts the kids to bed, right? Does the administrative responsibilities a father has. He's like, where's space for living mission out in that model. Mm -hmm. Like, how am I supposed to connect with my buddies, let alone like the world to evangelize in that model? Could you guys speak to that? Yeah. Let's just because I feel stumped in that conversation. Yeah. Devin, let's let you speak to that. We've got about four minutes left and um, this is a good way to begin to kind of bring things to a close. Share, share your thoughts on that. Devin. Well, yeah. Yeah. So as a father of St. Joseph, I believe that, um, the conversion of society depends on the renewal of the church. The renewal of the church depends on the renewal of the family. The restoration of the family is an icon of the Trinity. The icon, the family being restored in the image of the icon of the Trinity, that self-giving love depends on marriages that are revived. And that depends on a man who becomes a leader, a father. He becomes like St. Joseph, a father on earth, like the father in heaven. So society goes by with the family and the family goes by way of the father. And so if we're really going to, you know, turn this ship around, we fathers, we've really got to become like St. Joseph in raising other Christ. 
So, so that's our great ministry and call. So how does that fit in with something, say, like a, 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 an actual explicit mission, like you're talking about men's groups, women's groups, and all that? That's the calling. Each individual has their own way of living this out. Some dads, their mission really is to, I mean, to exclusively build their domestic church, but that does not mean that they do not have friendships. They must have friendships. They must develop those friendships, and, but it doesn't mean that they're street evangelists. And I think a lot of times, as one spiritual director said to me, he says, we Hispanics have a saying, you can become a street lamp in order for your house to go dark. And so there's a both and here. Because what he's saying is you can be all out in your Bible studies, you can be working for your church, you can be on mission trips, but meanwhile, your kids are just getting the breadcrumbs left over, and then your house goes dark, your marriage goes dark, you, you lose that vitality. So first and foremost, I'm not going to lead a Bible study outside my home if I'm not leading it in my home. I'm not going to preach the gospel outside my home if I'm not preaching it to my family. I'm not mm -hmm. going to pretend to love the church and the world if I'm not loving my wife. So everything begins with my ministry at the home. And then it, boom, it blasts out from there. You're in a very special place because you and Sarah have come into this as missionary people. And so that is going to be kind of like the charism of your marriage. And that's very special. That's very beautiful. And there are a lot of marriages like that. But for most of us, we have our mission, our charism to build our domestic churches. And I think one of the big failures right now in the church is that we fathers are not equipped and empowered or even know how to do this. And if we did, we would be able, the church would be revived and this world would begin to see serious conversion. So it's a both end. We need couples like you, but we also need families like, say, like me, who are trying to focus on building the domestic church like Joseph did for Mary and Jesus to raise saints. And I think, Tim, this is beautiful, Devin. And I think as we get close, we're about a minute out. I think as we, um, as we think about this, how are we going to come to this awareness and understanding of the particular call that our marriage has. And I think that's prayer. I think our, our prayer life, our mm -hmm. time with scripture, uh, our time with our Lord in adoration, our time in the sacraments, our time in the confessional, we're only going to hear, um, as Devin often says, uh, Vox, the voice of God is, is in us, but we're only going to hear it if we quiet down and listen to him and spend time with him. So, um, you know, we're really getting uh, deep here, and I wanted to spend a little more time, Tim, with your current ministry, Cornerstone. We'll need to have you back to kind of talk about how <laughs> your particular calling, your and Sarah's, gets expressed. I mean, I know you're, you're, uh, you're, you're helping as a social media expert with a local ministry here, St. Gabriel Radio. I know you do, do some work with young Catholic professionals, but I know that you and Sarah are engaged with young families and young husbands and wives and young singles. And we're going to, we're going to pick that up in a later time with you, but I just want to thank you for the time today. Uh, we've reached the end of this program. God bless you, Tim and Sarah, your new, your new marriage, your new married life. We'll be praying for you. Dev and I are so grateful and guys out there listening, let's take this deep to heart and let's become the men listening to God in prayer, in silence. Let's become the men that God's calling us to be. Have a great day. God bless you all. Take care.